So good morning, my friends. It's always a great joy for me and for Deb to be here at the Grove. Uh, this morning, I'm taking a page out of Adam Koffel's book of preaching. Oh, you're scared already. And uh, I have something for you to hold on to. Take one, pass it around, make sure everyone gets one. Need to hold on to this during the sermon, okay? It will all be clear later, we think. And while that's being passed around, here is the question. Wait for it. Ready? The question this morning is, what is church like? Did you get that one? Okay, what is church like? Now, some of you are thinking, you have got to be kidding me. I've been in church for, uh, I don't want to embarrass anyone, 40, 50, 60, 70, I'll stop, years. I know what church is like. Now, I don't know, there may be some here that this is a real live question. You know, maybe church is a little bit new to you, and you've been wondering, kind of, what is church like? So I want you to pretend that you have no idea what church is like. And you just kind of stumbled in here this morning. What would your answer be? What is church like? Well, you might look and, and, and see what's happening and, and say, Ah, I got it. Church is like a performance, right? Because there were people up here singing and, and playing, and, and now there's some guy up here speaking. It's not quite like a play, but, but maybe it's like a performance, all right? You like that answer? Church is a performance. No, not really. That's, that's not really a good answer. Is it? Now, I get some no's. That's good. No, not a good answer. So you might say, okay, okay, I'm going to try to explain it to you now. You've never been here before. And you say, okay, church is kind of like a club. You know, we kind of have some common interests, and we join up, and we do things together. It's even like a service club because we do things for other people together. Okay, so church is like a club. You like that? No, you don't like that one either. Okay, and we'll see maybe why we don't like that one. You don't exactly join. You are joined. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Okay, so you don't like it. You don't like church as a club. You don't like the answer that the church is a performance. So how about this? Church is like friendship. You know, you're with these people. You like these people. You have a lot in common. Is church like that? Now, some of you aren't sure because you're not sure you like each other. I understand that. We may talk about that in a minute, too. So, okay, we don't like those answers. So what is the answer? Well, I'm going to give you one, and then I'm going to go to the Bible and give you the right answer. Okay. So is my little box coming around, everybody? All right, have you got a little piece, everybody? Is it still coming? Okay. So here's my answer still coming around. Some of you are going to get one of these, I hope. Okay. Church is like a puzzle. You like this, okay? Well, let me explain, okay? So if you already have your little piece, look at it. Is that a beautiful picture that you hold in your hand? Nah. Do you know what the big picture is going to look like? Nah. So you have a piece, you are a piece of the puzzle, but you're not the whole puzzle. So you're part of the church, but you're not the whole church. We'll come back to that in just a little bit. All right, what else? What if we took those pieces and kind of put them all together and we'd have a picture? But, but what if one of you said, I'm just going to put my piece in the pocket? Then the first thing you would notice when we have our little picture is what? There's a piece missing. 
So, every piece is necessary. You got that part? Every piece is important. Just like in the church. We'll talk about that in a minute, too. Every piece, every person is important. Not just important, but necessary. All right, then if we took the time, and I decided not to take the time, <laughs> to put all these pieces together, then what we'd end up with is working together to have a beautiful picture. And that's like church, you with me? We all work together to have a beautiful picture. Now you may wonder, since we're not going to take the time to put all these together, what this beautiful picture is. So now we have it, you've been waiting on it, here is the beautiful picture that this puzzle would be. <laughs> now this is a rare photograph of Adam before he started preaching. That some of you didn't know that he was a farmer before he started preaching. And now it just hit me that some of you are going to tell him that. And so this is known as Gary's last sermon <laughs> at Aspen Grove. Okay, we can take the picture down now. Thank you. If you got it, you got it in your head. Okay, that's what it would look like. Now all that to finally get to the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And here's what Paul says. And he's an apostle and he's inspired. And this is scripture, so it's a better answer than mine. Paul says, you know, ask the question, what is church like? And Paul says, church is a body. So the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Now, y'all been in church a long time. This is not new to you, right? The church is a body. And Paul says, we are all parts of that body. And I actually like this translation, parts. Some of your older translations say members. Now, the problem I have with member language is it sounds almost like club language. All right, this is not member like you join a club. This is member like this is a member, a part of my body, right? Hands, ears, nose, eyes, feet. Uh, and so it's an interesting picture here that the church is a body, and we all are body parts, parts of the body. And so when the Bible wants to describe the church, it's interesting to me that it usually doesn't describe the church as an organization. Now, I know people, maybe you know people, maybe you are one, who say, yeah, I'm not so sure about organized religion. You ever heard that? Uh, when I've heard that in the past, all the churches I've been part of, I've loved, but, but I, I honestly tell them, we'll come to our church, we're not that organized, right? <laughs> but Paul says, no, no, it's not so much that we're an organization, like any other human organization, no, we're more like an organism. We're parts of the body that fit together. All right, then what does he say? Each of us is a part, but then he says, each part is different. So he says, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit. We all share the same spirit. Let me pause there. What makes us part of this body? Paul says, in one sense, you don't really join. And that's probably language we ought to lose, joining the church. You no, know, what Paul says is, we are joined. Someone else puts us together. That one, since we didn't choose this church, what? God chose us through His Holy Spirit. And you've been talking a lot about the Holy Spirit, looking at 1 Corinthians. It's that Holy Spirit, the one that 
baptized us. We're baptized in with one spirit. The one who brings us together and makes us one. So we are joined together by this one spirit. But he goes on and says, he's already said it once, we're different. He says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, what would you hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Now, I don't know what you think about church. Maybe, sometimes, maybe. Not, not here, but at some churches. You might get a little tired of some of these people in church. Don't look at them again. <laughs> and you might even begin to think, you know, Aspen Grove Church, it'd be a great church if everyone was like me. Right? If they were all as sweet and nice and helpful and dedicated like me, that'd be a great church. And the Bible says, wrong. All right, no offense to any of you, but it wouldn't be a great church if it was all like you. It certainly wouldn't be a great church if it was all like me, okay? Paul says not just we are different, we know that, but he says it's a good thing that we're different. And Paul is not the funniest person in the Bible, but he has at least a little touch of humor, I think, here. Okay, he says... All right, what if your body were one big eye? Now, I know this works in Munster's Inc., the, the, the cartoon. He said, well, you couldn't hear very well, and you couldn't get around very well. I guess you could roll. We're talking about rolling your eyes. Some of you have been doing that. Okay. Um, it's kind of a funny picture, or, or some big, big ear or something. Or, so you are part of the church, but you're not the whole church. And not only are you part, but each part, each of us is different, and that's the way God wants it. He doesn't want us all to be alike. Now, that gets frustrating. Why? Because some of you disagree with me. I can't believe you ever would disagree with me, okay? <laughs> but you disagree with me. Why? Well, maybe because you're right and I'm wrong. That's the part I don't like, but it happens sometimes, all right? And we see things differently. And God says, that's the way I want the church to be. That's the way the body is. That's the way it ought to be. We're not all the same. We're all different. He gives interesting examples here that, that maybe don't resonate with us. Some are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. In Paul's day, these were very great distinctions. I'm, I'm, I'm working on this. Y'all help me. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb. Here we go. Some are Democrats, some are Republicans. And yet part of one body. You say, is that possible? Well, not only is it possible, Paul says, yes, it is. We're different. Maybe some are employees and some are more used to being the boss. And what do we got? We got male, we got female. We have different points of view. We have different ages, different experiences. Paul says not, well, isn't that too bad? He says, that's the way God wants it to be. So we're all body parts, but we're not the whole body. Each part is different. He goes on and says, each part is necessary. But our bodies have many parts. God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. 
So the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. The parts we regard as less honorable or those we clothe with greater care, we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. So what is church like? Sometimes we ask another question, not out loud. Okay, but maybe to ourselves. Uh, who are the important people in the church? Who are the most important people in the church? And sometimes we get confused that it's, it's the folks who are up here. And there's nothing wrong with being up here. Okay. We're going to think they're more important. Or it's people who, I don't know, lead ministries. Or it's the more outgoing people. Or, or we begin to think, really, surely some are more important than others. This body kind of picture is interesting. Uh, I'll agree, at one level, there are some of my body parts that seem more important than others, right? So, uh, I think my heart is probably more important than my little finger. So, you say, okay, Gary, we're going to cut off that little finger. No, I'd rather not, okay? There are no body parts I want to lose. All right, well, we heard that, okay? Everyone, at least to me, is pretty necessary, God says through Paul, and that's the way it is in the church. There are no important folks in church and less important church, folks in church. Now, um, it's a hard lesson for us to learn sometimes. Because we begin to think of the church more as a club or a group or organization instead of a body. So many years ago, uh, I preached in a small church in Texas. Loving church. I love that church. They love me. They're very gracious. Uh, but after I'd been there for a while, I kept hearing this phrase over and over. And that those who were kind of leaders in the church would talk about the core group of the church. You got the core group of the church. And I think what they meant was these are the ones supposedly that kind of worked harder or did more. Have you ever heard language like that? And So finally I said, oh, the core group. I understand that. It's like an apple. It's the part of the apple you throw away when all the good part's gone. <laughs> and they didn't laugh near as much as you did. Okay. <laughs> but maybe they got the point. You with me in the church, there is no core group. Every part, everyone, however long you've been here, how little you've been here, okay, how many years, if you're young, if you're old, every part is necessary. There are no unnecessary parts, no unimportant parts. And then he goes on and says, and the great thing about the body, if you're healthy, is the parts work together. So he says, this makes for harmony among the members, the parts, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. So your body, all the parts are necessary, but, but all the parts kind of hurt together, and all the parts rejoice together. So I hope not, but if you were to tell me, you know, i got a terrible toothache. You know, teeth are pretty small, terrible toothache. And I'd say to you, well, at least your body doesn't hurt. You'd say, you have lost your mind, right? I mean, some of you know what this is like, that the tooth is so bad, you hurt all over, even though it's really just a tooth. He says, that's the way with the body of Christ. When one hurts, we all hurt. 
But then he goes on, when one is honored, that's kind of interesting, we all are honored. There can be no jealousy, envy in the body of Christ. Why? This is the part I really like. I get credit for what you do. <laughs> are you with me? All right, we're part of each other. So when you do something for the Lord, I get credit for that. I get honor for that. When I do something for the Lord, you get honor for that. And so you shouldn't say, oh, I'm kind of jealous of so-and-so who gets all the honor and seems to be doing all the work. The answer is no. That's your work. That's our work. And so this is where, again, we have to be careful about our language when we talk about church. Not that anyone here would say anything like this, but I've heard church people sometimes say things like, uh, I don't like what they're doing at my church. Can you imagine someone saying that? Okay, I don't like what they're doing at my church. Now, the problem with that is not really you don't like it. That's allowed. The problem with that language is the they, okay? There, there's no they in church. You with me? It's we. So it's okay to say, we don't like what we're doing at our church. All right, that sounds a little strange, but it's okay, I think, to say that. And you can talk about why you like it or don't like it. But it's not they, all right? They implies what? It's somebody else. I don't know who. Preacher, leaders, elders, they, there's no they, it's only we, Paul says. We hurt together. We're honored together. We work together, and so there's interdependence in the church. I can't be the church without you. You can't be the church without me. You can't be the church without the person sitting next to you. And they can't be church without you. We're interdependent. And so Paul says, you know, in all this, being church is not something you do in a way. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. We are talking about it's a gift through the Holy Spirit, the one who makes us church, right? Baptizing the Spirit. The one who binds us together. And he says, and what the Spirit does, among other things, and you've already studied some of this, is the Spirit gives gifts. So he has this fairly long list of gifts. He says, all of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts that God has, I mean, yeah, God has appointed for the church. Here's some. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability in, to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now, let me show you a way of life that's best of all. So God, through His Holy Spirit, gives us gifts. Now, I don't think he means here that you should get too hung up trying to decide what your gift is. Just trust that you have one. And you say, well, I'm not sure what my gift is. The answer is, well, what are you doing? Are you being a good husband, wife, father, child? Okay. And these gifts are not just natural abilities. They're not just talents that we have. Right, these are gifts of God. I think the most important thing he says about these gifts is the gift is given to you. And each of you has one, but it's not given for you. So whatever gift you may have, you can't really be proud of it. First of all, it's a gift. You didn't earn it. But second of all, the gift is for you to bless others. You understand? The gifts that God gives to the body is not so we can point out to those people and say, wow, they're gifted. 
It's so we can use whatever gift we have for the sake, for the health of the entire body of Christ. And so again, I've been in church a long time like you have, and I've heard people say, I just don't know what I can do at church. The answer is, well, <laughs> you can be there, and believe it or not, that's a great gift, just your presence. Presence not just in this assembly, all that's important, but your presence with others. What else? You can listen. Most of all, most of all, you can pray. So don't worry so much about what your gift is, but use whatever God has given you for the sake of others. And then at the very end, he says, I'm going to show you the greatest gift, which leads into next week's sermon, which I think Adam will give. That most familiar chapter in 1 Corinthians, with that chapter on love. The greatest gift, the gift that God has given in one sense, each of us, all of us, is that gift of love. So, you got your puzzle piece. Did everybody get one? Okay, so hold up your puzzle piece and repeat after me. I am part of the body. Uh, let's try that again like you mean it. Ready? I am part of the body. I am a unique part of the body. I am a unique part of the body. I am a necessary part of the body. And I work with other parts of the body. Keep the peace with you this week to remind you that you're a part. Now, some of you may wonder, why did he do the puzzle instead of sticking with the Bible? And the answer is, I found the police frown when you give out body parts in church. <laughs> so I know it's just a piece of the puzzle. But let it remind you that you're, you're more than a piece of the puzzle. You're a part of the body. And the great call of God for all of us this week, be a part and do your part. The body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And now we come to that place in our worship where we visibly demonstrate that we are part of the body of Christ. And we do that by Eating the body of Christ, right? <clears throat> the bread. To remind us that Christ gave his body for us. To remind us that his body lives in us through the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> to remind us that we are a part of the body. We drink the cup to remind ourselves that he gave his blood for us. And it's that blood that makes us one body. It's the blood of the body of Christ. And so it was on the night in which he was betrayed that Jesus took bread and he blessed it. And he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And then the same way he took the cup and he blessed it and said, this cup is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you. As often as you drink this, remember me. So in a moment after I pray, We'll get up, we'll go, we'll take the bread, we'll take the cup. We will eat the body and, and drink the blood and remember that this is the blood that courses in the body of Christ.
and we are that body. Let's pray together. God of love, we thank you that in your great love you took on flesh. We thank you for that body of Christ that was given on the cross for us, that was raised from the dead for us. We thank you, Father, for this bread and this cup, and we pray that your Holy Spirit will come upon them that to us they will be the body and the blood of Christ. We thank you, dear God, that you are making us, have made us into that body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray.